ahead and grab out your Bible and something to take some notes with. Uh, I tell you every week, I will convince you that we are a church that believes in taking notes. Because it will be, I promise, as you take this spiritual journey and you think, well, that was good. I remember something from a year ago. But you write those things down as God shows you things out of his word. doesn't have to be something I say as we read these verses. God will reveal things to you. Write those things down. In your spiritual journey, I would encourage you, write them down so you can reference them along the way, kind of as spiritual markers or milestones to help you remember. All right. So that's my take some notes, people. All right. If you get nothing else, take some notes. We're starting a brand new series today, though, called Nehemiah. And if you haven't been with us, we like to study the Bible in series. It's just kind of our approach to it. And so sometimes the messages through a couple of weeks will be rallied around a topic or maybe we'll walk through a book of the Bible verse by verse. It's just the way that we study throughout the year. Today, we're doing what I would call a character study. Uh, And so we haven't done one of these maybe in a couple of years. If you like it, that's great. If you don't, we'll do another one five years from now or something. All right. I think you're going to like this, though, where we're looking at a character out of the Bible, studying their life, how they followed God in the way that God interacted with them in order to learn maybe some lessons from their life that we can apply on our spiritual journey. And I'm just praying over the next four weeks. I really am. I'm praying in expectation that maybe some of you will hear this series in a different way. I don't think everybody, I won't hang my hat on that, but I think maybe a few of you will hear this series in a different way, and maybe a different way between those of you, but I'm praying that God would speak to our hearts, that he would reveal to us and he would speak to us and he would show us that there's more he wants to do inside of us, and more importantly, more he wants to do through us in the world that we live in. That I think sometimes we settle into ruts, and I'm hoping in this series that a few of us Myself included, God will kind of bust us out of that rut. He'll kind of get us outside of that to do more. I want to kind of talk about a faith that is doing things that outlasts us. As we study Nehemiah, I want to talk about a faith that calls us to do things for the kingdom of God that outlasts us. And so my disclaimer here at the beginning of the series, listen to me. Anytime this happens, anytime your heart is stirred, anytime you want to step out and do something for God, I want to go ahead and warn you there is a cost associated with it. This isn't rainbows and butterflies. This isn't, this is going to be really easy and we'll all be so encouraged and everything will happen and fall into place. No, there is a cost that comes along when you step out to God. And listen to me closely. It will be a very personal cost, something that hits you deep. And that's not cliche. I'm just telling you that because I want you to like get your heart racing and you're interested in my sermon and what I have to say. Listen, there is a cost associated when you step out. When you want to do something, and it will be very personal, it will be very agonizing, it will be very costly to what you actually hold on to if you want to step out to do something for God. There will be times of tragedy, there will be times of oppression, there will be times of resistance, that people will misunderstand you, people misinterpret, they will laugh at you, you will have times you will stand alone, there will be moments of discouragement and doubt. I promise you, if you step out to do something for God, there is a cost. But when you see the fruit of it, When you see people's lives are changed and you bring glory to God's name, you'll never think about what you paid to get there. Then I promise you that there is a cost associated, but I promise you that when you step out to do something for God, because of your faithfulness to God, that people's lives will be different. That you'll see a change happen. And you may not feel exceptionally gifted or talented, but I promise you, you are exactly the type of person that God wants to use. In fact, listen to me. If you are the top of your class... If you are the smartest of the smart, you are the greatest athlete in history, you are the leader of all. Listen to me carefully. God can still use you. All right, everybody, just understand. I promise you he can. It's just that our God specializes in using ordinary, everyday people. 
It just seems to be his MO in the Bible. And so we're going to study this guy in the Old Testament over the next four weeks. A very ordinary guy named Nehemiah who had a broken heart for the plight of his people. He had a heart for his people. And he looked on this situation and he was so brokenhearted. And he said, somebody ought to do something about that. And then he finished the sentence and he said, and I think it should be me. Because too many of us, we like the first half of that. I, I can't tell you how many times in the church world, you will hear that sentence. Somebody ought to do something about that. Somebody ought to do something. Some, somebody, never not me, but somebody ought to do something. But Nehemiah finishes the sentence. He says, somebody ought to do something. Here's the plight of his people. And he says, somebody, and I think it should be me. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray to open up this series? Father, I ask you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, stir up our hearts. Lord, in this series, just stir up our hearts. Show us things we have missed. Show us options and opportunities that we have passed over. Break us out of the rut. Lord, as we study Nehemiah, show us where we have turned off the path. And Lord, as we see injustice and we see heartache and we see things happen around our world, give us the faith to say somebody should do it and it should be us. Lord, we pray, give us those opportunities and then let us take advantage of every single one. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And all the church said, amen. And amen. We're going to study this guy in the next few weeks. We're going to look at what I think is one of the most captivating or inspirational stories out of the Old Testament. And what I love about Nehemiah, what I like about him is Nehemiah is not a pastor. Nehemiah is not a king. Nehemiah is not a warrior. He's not a prophet. He's not a priest. Nehemiah is not in the ruling class. Nehemiah is an incredibly ordinary guy in an incredibly unattractive position. And I'll tell you about that in just a couple of moments, the job that he has. But Nehemiah sees something that breaks his heart. And again, he's not a king, he's not a prophet, he's not a warrior. He's not all these things that we celebrate in the Old Testament. He's a cupbearer. But he sees something that breaks his heart and he gets him to a point where he's never been in his life where he has to do something. This, he has to do something. Paul talked about it in the New Testament. He said, I'm compelled by the Spirit. Nehemiah has to respond in this moment. And if you don't know what he did for a living, he's a cupbearer. He tells us at the end of chapter 1. But he's a cupbearer to the king of Persia, King Artaxerxes. And you might be asking, well, what is a cupbearer? Which is a good question. And you might not be asking, but I'm going to tell you anyway, all right? And so a cupbearer, you might think about this uh, in our modern day context, would be like a butler or a servant um, in a household. But in these days, a cupbearer was actually incredibly trusted. And so he would have been trusted with a lot of different things. Not only he has, this guy has unfettered access to the king. He's always around. And so if the king says, we're going to invade such and such a place, the cupbearer would hear that information, have to keep it secret. If the king says, I don't like how so-and-so walks when they're in my presence or whatever it is, the cupbearer would hear that and have to keep it secret. So about 85% of you guys would be disqualified already, all right? Just from, <laughs> it hurts because it's true, everybody. So it's just, you keep that. So the cupbearer were very trustworthy, very in charge of a lot of things in the king's household. But the cupbearer had one task that's kind of in the title, it's in the name, that maybe is not so prestigious of a task. And that is, in those days, like today, there would have been people who want to overthrow kingdoms and governments and, and destabilize regimes. And so in that day, there would have been many people who would have sought to kill the king of a particular country or nation. And so the cupbearer, what he would do is he would taste the wine, be the only person to taste the wine as it went to the king's table. In case someone wanted to poison the king. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if that was my job, if I was going to say, I would want a job with some good insurance. Come on, somebody. Like, I would want, and like real benefits. Like, that's just what would be on my, my resume. Because the cupbearer, if he, if he were to taste, because if somebody had it out for King Artaxerxes, 
Old Nehemiah is drinking the wine first, and they're waiting to see, like a canary in the cold, whether to see whether Nehemiah drops dead. Come on, because if something goes wrong, you are out of a job. You understand this, right? Or you're out of a life. It's really what you're out of. And so Nehemiah has this job at cupbearer, an ordinary person, not in a role of status, not a king, but a servant in the household, serving to the kings. And one day, Nehemiah is just having an ordinary day, maybe like you are having today, just ordinary, sun is shining, things are happening, he's drinking wine left and right, whatever's happening to Nehemiah. Having an ordinary day, and he hears something that breaks his heart. He, he gets news that's brought to him, and that's where, that's your context for this series. The news that brings us, we pick up in verse 2 of the book of Nehemiah. Watch this in chapter 1. He hears something. He says, Han and I, one of my brothers came from Judah with some other men and questioned, I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived in the exile and also about Jerusalem. So we're having a conversation between Nehemiah and his brother. And he says, tell me about our people. Tell me about our homeland. And the reason he's asking this is about 140 years before this moment, about 586 BC, give or take, the King Nebuchadnezzar led the evil Babylonians to invade the children of Israel, to invade Jerusalem. And to destroy their way of life and their possessions and their economy. And they're in a way that's kind of difficult to describe. You know that the temple of Solomon, it's gone, destroyed, rubble. The gates are burned with fire. The walls are torn down. Every building is left in rubble. And they carry the children, they carry them into captivity. And so you, here you have the Jewish people taken from their homeland into bondage for a long time. If you can imagine how demoralized they feel. This is their nation destroyed. This is their way of life destroyed. This is not like a raid and they took some stuff. No, they take everything, including most of the people. And listen to it. So decades later, imagine that in your mind. Think of time. For, decades later, about 50,000 of the Jews or so moved back to Jerusalem to rebuild. They think, okay, we're going we're gonna to rebuild our stuff. We're going to go back to our homeland. We're going to try to have a better future. The problem is they can't get everything moving. They can't do anything. So they go back to the spot. They're geographically back where they were supposed to be, but they can't get anything rebuilt. The walls are torn down. The gates are wide open. So if any time they try to rebuild, they're just open to attack. Demoralized, no economy, no job, no hope. They find themselves. So that's why the brother says in this Nehemiah, he says the walls of Jerusalem, they're in great trouble and disgrace. The people who are there, trouble and disgrace, the wall broken down. Why? Because they open to attack. The gates burn with fire. Impossible to rebuild, no job, no economic system, no leadership, no hope, no plan, no safety net, no nothing. What do you do when you don't know what to do? So here they are. He says they're in disgrace and great trouble. And so then my question for you may be better for us. What do you do when you see something like that and you realize something has to be done? What do you do when you think... Something is, and you feel it so deeply that you can't take it anymore. And we're going to take this series slowly, but I want to give you a couple of thoughts today about how to begin. When you have that on your, when you hear something like Nehemiah hears about, he hears about his kin, he hears about his people, he hears about his homeland, it breaks his heart. And he thinks something has, what do you do when you hear something like that? It, it breaks your heart. And you say, well, I don't know what I could do, but I know somebody needs to do something. I don't know how I'm supposed to respond, but I know somebody needs to respond. I just don't know. What do you do when you don't know what to do? So we're going to talk about Nehemiah. And the first thing that you would do, and I think that maybe it will happen to you a few times in your life, but you do what Nehemiah did. And that is the first one. Jot it down if you're taking notes. You let your heart break. And I think sometimes we just, we turn away before we ever get to this very first step. When you hear something, you say somebody needs to do something. You let your heart break in that moment. 
And I'm a little bit worried, church. I'm a little bit worried that we have grown calluses over our heart that we would not have recognized 10 or 15 years ago. And we have heard so many things and we, and we don't let our heart, we let it get into our head and we say, oh, that's so sad or I'm so sorry, but we don't let it actually break our hearts. And so the first step, like Nehemiah, this is what happens. We have to let our heart break. You watch it in Nehemiah verse four in the next verse. He says, when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. Listen, church, there are things that are going to break your heart. You have to let them. If we hold everything at arm's length, we will not be effective for the things God has called us to do in this life. If everything only goes in our head and right back out, if we don't actually have a heart for it. And listen to me this way. Never let anybody put you down for your heart for injustices or your heart to right the wrongs around this world. Never let anybody speak that into you, especially young people. Never let anybody tell you, well, you just have the bleeding heart for that, or you just have, you just, you just too, you, when you grow older, you'll learn how these things happen and how the world is. Never let anybody transfer the hardness of their heart to yours. Never let anybody let the calluses that have grown around their heart come to yours. We have to let it break our hearts when we see these things. If we are people who follow after God, what breaks his heart breaks our heart. And so Nehemiah says, I sat down when I heard these things, it crushed me. It broke my heart. It broke my heart. And we have to begin, church, to let it break us. But what's interesting to me about Nehemiah is where he is when he hears this. So we've had a little bit of context so far. Nehemiah, though, geographically, Nehemiah is about a thousand miles away from his homeland. About a thousand miles away from his homeland. Now, that doesn't sound very great, but listen to me. Because of modern trend thing, time out for just a second, right? Let's, let's have this conversation. Because we have modern transportation, we have our advancements and everything, there is nowhere on earth as far for us as a thousand miles was to Nehemiah. And we try to say, well, it's a thousand, it's whatever, it's just not that great. Nowhere on earth is as far for us as it would be for this man in this time. But he hears about it from far off in the lands. He hears about this thing. So I don't care if you say, well, that's just too far. This is like circle the world, everybody. Nehemiah hears a thousand miles away. He hears about what's happening to his people and it breaks his heart. And then you remember where Nehemiah is, not just geographically, where is he in status? Because he's actually living a pretty good and comfortable life in the palace. Like, think about this. This guy is eating the same food that the king eats. This is a pretty good deal. For slightly sketchy reasons, he is drinking the same wine that the, that the king is drinking, right? It just, just bypassed why, but that's what he's doing. He has a pretty good life in terms of the food and the drink. He's watching the same shows on the king's 4K TV, whatever it is, right? Like, like Nehemiah, I can just imagine Nehemiah is like posting selfies from around the palace, like, you know, serving, hanging out with the king, like serving in the palace, doing all this stuff, whatever it is. Nehemiah is living a good life. And I don't know about you, but sometimes in my comfort, Sometimes in my life, I can be like scrolling through like the news or I can see like a tragedy halfway around the world. And because it's so far away or because I can think, well, that's just too bad. Sucks to be them, right? Just like coming back into the, I mean, they're a long way away. I don't know what you want me to do about it. I don't know what I can, I can see that and I could just pass right on by. And maybe that's just me. That's not you holy people. That's just me. All right. I just... We just scroll, or maybe we'll say, well, I just, I, I send up a prayer for him, and I'm just going to, you know, just kind of, but I just scroll on by. I'm not going to let this get in my heart. This Nehemiah, Nehemiah had a choice in this moment. When his brother comes, he has a choice. He can kind of acknowledge the plight of his people, like, oh, that's too bad. What a shame. I'm really sad for them, but yeah, my life is great. 
In fact, I'm really glad I have that contrast so I can be so thankful for all the things that I have. You ever hear Christians do that? Like, I'm just so glad that they exist in that plight so I can be thankful. It's quiet in this church. I like that. All right. But Nehemiah has a choice. He can choose to go about his life, hear the thing, feel sad, go back to serving the king, or he can let it in and let it break him. And I would submit to you, we have the same choice. And so I would ask you, what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? What burdens you? What is it that keeps you up at night on righteous anger on behalf of God that you say that isn't right? That shouldn't happen on my watch. What is it that breaks your heart? What is it injustice you look at in the world and you think somebody needs to do something about this? My heart is broken for that. Maybe for you, it could be for the plight of children who are hurting. Or maybe you have a heart for children who aren't able to read or children who have been stuck in situations or abused. Or maybe you have a heart for those who are trafficked around the world. Or maybe for you, it's people who are stuck in addiction. And you just have a heart to help them break out of that. And you say, I just any way I can help them, whether it's from drugs or maybe it's a lust or a pornography addiction or something that has grown in their heart. And you have that heart to say, I want to see them set free. Or maybe for you, it's homelessness, people who are living on the streets and maybe can't have their needs met. And you say, I just I want to help them in their way. Or maybe for you, it's people around the world. Maybe it's, it's children or people in impoverished areas in other countries. And you say, if, if they just had a little bit more, just a little, if somebody just reached where they were. If just a couple of, maybe it's medicine that needs to reach there and hasn't already. Or maybe it's just a mosquito net for a couple of bucks that would change the course of a child's life. But somebody just hasn't gone there yet. And it breaks your heart. Maybe it's for people who have been trafficked. And children who've been abused. Whatever it is that breaks your heart. Maybe you say, I speak out for the rights of the unborn. For those who can't speak for themselves. And that's what breaks your heart. What is it that breaks your heart? What is it that maybe we've grown a callous to? Maybe you feel called. And maybe you feel burdened. Let it crush you. Don't hold it at arm's length. Let it move you. Sit down to cry. Listen to me. I don't worry when things from time to time break my heart and make me cry. I start to worry when it's been a long, long time since that's happened. If you want a red flag for you, this is my own personal, I, I'm, I'm not preaching, I'm preaching to myself today. It, it is, worries me the most when it has been a long time since anything has moved my heart. And there are lots of things in the world that move me to anger or move me to, to sadness or move me to, but something that justice that breaks my heart. When most of the things that move me are just selfish reasons. What do you do when you can't take it anymore? You let it break your heart. The second thing you do, you bow down to pray. You start to cry, but then you bow down to pray. Nehemiah says this in the second half of that verse. He says, and for some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. Listen to me, church. If it's big enough to break your heart, it's big enough to pray about. We pray everything before the throne of God. We sang that today in our worship. Everything at the feet of Jesus. We bring everything before him. Sometimes it's, we say the most insulting things to God. Like, well, all we can do now is pray. You ever hear you catch yourself saying that? Well, all we can do is just pray. I guess all we you can imagine God up in heaven, like looking down like, oh, all you can do is pray. I guess all you can do, like all you can do is pray to me. The all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present, everything is possible with me, God. I guess all you can do is pray. You're up a creek now, really. That's what you... No, no, we we pray, we go before an all-powerful, ever-present, all-things-are-possible type of God, and we bring it in prayer. You think, you think how insulting we are to all we can do 
We go before the God of heaven. Watch this in verse 5. Nehemiah goes before God. He cries out and he says, let your ear be attentive, O God. Let your eyes be open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. And he calls out the great God who keeps his commandments. And he reminds God, the great God who keeps his faithfulness. You read his prayer in verse 5 and verse 6. There's a great God who's praying, praying. We pray before you day and night for your servants, the people. And you read his prayers. You continue on. He begins to outline his sins. He confesses those before God. He confesses the sins of his people. He reminds God of his faithfulness. He reminds God of his promises. He goes before, and after he has mourned and after he has prayed, he goes before the king. To say, oh, king, I honor you. I, I love you. I serve you. I, I, my heart is with you. But there is something I have heard about that I need to do. And he prays over that. Watch this. In verse 11, he talks to God about the king. He says, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. For I was cupbearer to the king. He prays over this moment. And then he goes before him. You watch him pray over. And I hope you understand what you pray about reflects what you believe about God. Like if you were to audit your prayers and like write them down and actually read them. And you don't have to show anybody. You read the way that you pray. The things you say to God reveals what you believe about him. Because if you go to God with just Lord bless my food and keep me safe and make me happy. And I hope this day is good. If that's all you go to God for, you're not believing in the all powerful, all knowing, all present God who has a purpose for your life. But you go to God and say, God, send revival. God, send healing. God, do a miracle. God, send me to meet the needs of other people. God, use me for your kingdom. You believe something about God that he is at work in your life. When you pray, you reveal what you, it doesn't matter what you say to other people. It doesn't matter what you think in it. What you say to God reveals what you believe about him. And how you pray, you listen to the prayers that Nehemiah lifts up. Oh, good God. Oh, all righteous, all powerful God who is faithful and just. And he begins to pray about the plight of his people with the power of God. What's interesting to me is this is the first of about 12 or 13 prayers we see in the book of Nehemiah. Which tells me he probably would have prayed hundreds or thousands of times like in his life. These are just the few that we have recorded. As he begins to cry out to God and we see in the middle, in the beginning of this story cry out to God before he's ever done anything. And then you watch throughout the entire chapter. We're going to talk about this entire book. He prays in the middle and even he finishes the end of this story. He is still crying out and praying to God. Every part of who he is in this prayer. And I love because what you're going to see about him, we're going to study this is Nehemiah is like a leadership genius. He doesn't know all the rules and all the things. He's not like, here's my 12 steps and here's my thing. That's not what he, but you watch his life. He understands. He's like, he strategizes, he schemes, he has he has vision. He has, he has great strength and great leader of people. He loses his temper. Come on, somebody. That's just a great, good leadership principles from Nehemiah. But he does all these. He's just an amazing leader. And yet everything he does, he seeks the Lord. Every decision he makes, he cries before God. Like he, it's like he's not like, okay, God, you got me to this point. I'm now so great. I'll make a few decisions on my own. He's probably one of the greatest leaders we have in the Old Testament. And yet every decision... Every moment he runs to God in prayer. He runs to him in prayer. And he begins to pray. And then he prays to the God of heaven. He says, and, just a little, and then he goes before the king. And watch this. Watch this interaction. Because listen to me. You let this thing into your heart. You, you let this thing break you. And it's a step. And I don't think a lot of us have taken it. But we take that step. And then you begin to bow in prayer. And then it, watch in Nehemiah. Because after you have let it break you. Your heart is broken. After you have gone and sought the Lord in prayer. Then you begin to respond. Then you begin to respond. 
And I think sometimes we find ourselves in all these steps. But listen, if you are between step two and step three, let today be the starting gun for you. Begin to respond. It broke your heart. You sought the Lord in prayer. Let's respond to whatever it is. Let's be the church of God. Let's respond and hold out the hand. Watch with Nehemiah. He goes before the king. And the king says to me, and he goes before the king. In the verse before this, he talks about the king notices that Nehemiah is sad. Picks up his cup, goes in the king. And the king notices right off the bat that something is wrong. And he says, what is it that you want? And, wants, and then he said, I pray. This is one of those just like drop in. If you want to be a person of prayer. It's just like in the middle of it. In the middle of his moment, Nehemiah prays again. Like the king has asked him something. And before he answers, he just prays one more time. Just quick, shoot up a flare type of prayer. And he's like, Lord, and I pray to the God of heaven. And watch. And then I answered the king. If it pleases the king and your servant has found favor, let him send me to the city where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Let me go and do this thing. Oh, king, I love you. Oh, king, I serve you. Oh, king, my heart is with you. But I have heard of this plight of my people and I have to do something. He says, if it pleases the king, let me go. Why? So I can rebuild the wall. So I can rebuild the place of my people. So I can rebuild the city of God. So I can do this thing that has broken my heart. I think it's going to speak to somebody today. That there is something that has broken your heart. Something that God has laid on you. Something that God has given you. An injustice you see around the world. A thing right there in your backyard. A thing that you have seen. And you say, somebody needs to do something. And I feel it's me. What do you do? You let it break your heart. You bow down and you pray. And then we need to begin to respond. You let it break your heart. You say, okay, that is something that's going to that's gonna let it inside. Not just in my head. I'm going to actually believe. And I'm going to begin to cry. And I'm going to... Let my heart be attached to this. But then you go into your prayer closet and you seek the Lord. You get alone with him wherever it is that you pray. And you begin to cry out to the almighty God. And then you begin to respond. At some point you have the faith to stand up and begin to act. At some point you believe this is what God has put on my heart. This is what I'm going to do. This is the difference I'm going to make. And you stand up to act. And you say, well, I'm not a pastor and I'm not qualified and I'm not I'm not appointed to that position and I'm not you know educated in that and nobody chose me listen to me church listen to me very carefully you don't have to be chosen by people if you are called by God you don't have to be appointed by people if God has called you to do this thing who cares what people say if God has called your heart to break for that group or those people or that person who cares what other people say If you are called by God to do this, we are called, then we do it. We let it break our hearts. We cry, we pray, we begin, and then somebody, we have to respond. We have to stand and we have to believe. And Nehemiah, ordinary guy in every other aspect, is chosen by God to step outside of his comfort zone to do something that he probably, the day before, would never have believed he could do. The cupbearer is going to go lead the people of God. The cupbearer is going to go repair the wall. We're going to do this in week two, week three. We're going to learn about how this happens and when the oppositions Nehemiah faces, the things he goes through, the times he loses his mind mad at people. Come on, he is as relatable as we can imagine. But he said somebody needs to do something. And hear me, he doesn't do it alone. Like he doesn't just go and say somebody needs to do it and he does it. He doesn't finish it alone, but it doesn't happen until he started it. It didn't happen until he set out. It didn't happen until he started it. Until he said, you know what? I can't take it anymore. What do you do when you get to that place? You let it break your heart. You bow in prayer. And then someone, we need to respond.
Bow your heads with me as we close today. Father, I thank you for a church full of people. I thank you, Lord, for a church full of people that aren't rulers or kings or prophets or whatever. But God, in your kingdom, they are servants of the Most High God. That you have called us. And Lord, we say, give us opportunities to reach the world around us. Show us things, God, that would break our heart. And then let us lower our hands to keep them at arm's distance and let it break us. That we would see things. Lord, that we would see things and it would break our heart. That we would seek you in prayer. That we would ask your will. And then, Lord, that we would respond. That we would be the hands and feet of Christ. Give us opportunities, but give us the heart to respond to them. Don't let us waste them. Now keep praying, church, as we end today. I want to give one more invitation. And that is maybe you're here today and you're like, that all sounds great about purpose and calling and and all the things God has and all that. But I am actually as far from God as I could possibly be. That I'm actually as far from him. And if you knew the things I did and if you knew the stuff, I, you would never tell me that, Pastor. That's for all the clean, goody, goody, that's not for me. And I would just tell you, if I could just sit down with you. I would tell you, yeah, there are probably things in your life. But I would promise you, if I sat down with every single person in this church, myself included, we all have things that we have done. Listen to me, the bad news is the things that we've done, you and myself included, the things we have done, the sins we have committed, separate, they are enough to separate us from a perfect and holy God. That's the bad news. The good news is that God didn't leave us in our sins. The Bible says he loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus, who lived a perfect life, his son, Jesus, perfect in every respect, to die on a cross Not for the sins, because he had none. But for your sin and for mine. And he died on the cross, but he didn't stay dead. The Bible says the Father raised him to life so that anyone, not just goody-goody two-shoes, but them too, not just the high and mighty, not just the lowly, but them too, but anyone, you included, that anyone could call on the name of Jesus and be saved means it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you're wearing. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter where you've been. What matters is that God loves you, that God wants you, and that there is forgiveness at the cross of Jesus. And so you say, that's me today. I, I want that. I want to follow him. And you say, I want to repent of my sins. You know what repentance is? Repentance is turning from your sin and following him. You say, I want that. Let today be. Maybe you are here in the room. Maybe you are watching online. I don't care where you're hearing this. But some of you are realizing that right now you are here for this moment. That all the rest of it is great and all the things and the points and all the things that we've talked about. All that is great. But you are here for this moment. To hear that God loves you. That he has a place for you in the kingdom of God. And so right now we're going to begin to pray. If that's you, you say, I want to turn from my sins. I want to follow after him. If that's you right now, we're going to pray with you. In our church, we've dedicated ourselves. We will pray this prayer with every person who wants to pray it. Because right now, I'm not looking to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out in front of your friends or your family. Right now, I want to connect you with Jesus. I want to introduce you to the Savior. There are moments to go public with this. 
We would love to baptize you to make that declaration before the church, but you have to decide right now if you're going to follow him. You decide right now if it's a decision. You want to make that sacrifice and make him the Lord of your life. But if that's you, we pray it with you right now. It starts with a prayer of surrender. And I'll give you the words, but you have to say them and you have to mean them in your own heart. Now, church, let's pray this along with every person who wants to pray. Say, Jesus, forgive me for all my sin. I repent. I believe you died on a cross. I believe you rose again. And I make you Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. And all God's church said, amen. And amen. Come on, church. Can we put our hands together for what God has done today?